0: All right, welcome back everybody to TransUnion's March 2023 Extra Credit Card and Banking Podcast, where we seek to push insights, not products. In today's podcast, we're looking to gain a greater understanding of how leadership at credit lenders really contend with key technology enablement trends. It really builds on our last month's discussion that we had with David Shipper, who discussed how different payment technologies are disrupting how competitors operate. So to do so, we have an esteemed guest on our program, or our recording today, and that's Abi Dar, TransUnion's Chief Information and Technology Officer, really an industry leader in adapting technology to deliver insights for issuers and benefits for consumers. So Abi, first, welcome to the podcast. We're excited to to have you. We would really appreciate though if you just give us a, a brief overview of your background and current role, and maybe what keeps you energized in your day-to-day activities. Sure, thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: It's uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I joined TransUnion about forty years ago. I'm um, engineer by training. My undergrad is in mechanical engineering, and my master's in industrial engineering. Um, and my brain is now completely. Mutated that I look at everything as an engineering problem, um, which my wife does not find amusing at all. Um, <laughs> my wife is not an engineer for the record. Um, you know I've been doing um, I've been doing engineering systems type stuff for for a very long time, and uh, it's only recently in my career that that I've actually realized that engineering, systems thinking, all of that uh, is the easy part. What makes my job hard is to get really smart people um, get them motivated energized to organize meaningful work for these people and get them to work in a way where their discretionary effort creates more value than they would have individually created that's kind of become my life's mission and that's that's what I that's what I get up to do uh, we're lucky as as you know we we have um, a lot of those people all over the world that I have the privilege of leading, uh, and I feel like I want to do my best job for them so we can all collectively uh, do the best job for our customers.
0: Great, Avi. Thank you. That's uh, a great overview for us and for our audience. I'm going to turn it over to Josh now, who's got a little surprise for you.
2: All right. Thanks, Greg. So, Abi, we start every episode with uh, with some pretty arcane trivia. and uh, it sounds as though we may have had some faulty intelligence and that, that we were told the Chemical Brothers was your your favorite band, and indeed it is just a band, so uh, arcane trivia and, and one on a topic that maybe isn't quite as dear to your heart as we thought, but uh, such is life, so we'll start there. So just a, a couple questions here for some fun. Uh, first one, the Chemical Brothers started with a different name. They were forced to change their name given the existence of another band with a similar name. So what was their original name? A, Chemical Sound. B. Envision, C. The Dust Brothers, or D. Midlands Mix? The C. The Dust Brothers. Excellent. Excellent. Well done. All right. Ed Simmons, one of the two Chemical Brothers, was quite the scholar, finishing an expensive public school education with 11 O-levels and 3A-levels before studying what at the University of Manchester? A. Inorganic Chemistry, B. Late Medieval History, C. Early Modern English Poetry, or D, Scottish Agrarian History?
1: Uh, one of the histories. I don't remember which
2: one. Uh, yeah, B, Late Medieval History. Okay,
0: that one. Excellent. Nice job.
2: <laughs> it, is. And, um, it is. Third question. Shortly after releasing their debut album, Exit Planet Dust, the title inspired by their original name, the newly renamed Chemical Brothers signed to which record label? A mercury studios b polydor records c ministry of sound or d virgin records uh you know
1: i i think i seem to recall uh there was this new brand by this crazy guy um called virgin records uh he had just started that and i think they signed with them actually all of them did at all of those guys ended up ended
2: up with virgin i think i remember so i'm going to with virgin records Correct, correct. You are you are closing in here on I think what might be a, a record here for correct answers. So let's see if you can carry it through to the last one. So last question. On uh, the seventh of April nineteen ninety-seven, the Chemical Brothers released their second album, Dig Your Own Hole. What was the inspiration for the name of this album? A an overused admonishment from Tom Rowland's time in Catholic school. B. A speech in with Mark a speech in which Margaret Thatcher predicted an Orwellian nightmare if the Tories failed. C. Graffiti on the wall outside of their South London studio, or D. Align the gravediggers speak in Hamlet. D. yes I thought it was C. It was C. Graffiti. Uh, close. Yeah. Yeah. But our our other guests <laughs> you thank mean, you. So maybe not. I didn't I no I didn't Thank
1: you. Uh well they're not I mean a uh, they're one of my favorite bands. Um, it, it just you know that's around the time when I was in in school and college, and you know that's the kind of stuff that happens. And
2: anyway, but same. Thank you. Well, I thank would, you. it would, I would hate to see what you do with uh, with questions on your favorite band because three out of four is certainly ah. not bad. So <sighs> thank you, thank you very much. Thanks for playing along. Oh yeah. Um, well, so let's let's. Uh... Get into the heart of what we brought you on to talk about, and and get into some some questions that we wanted to um, pose to you. So, you know, I'll start and just what are as you think about some of the business drivers global year hearing as a technology leader. Um, what are what are causing organizations and technology leaders to change how they think about technology?
1: You know, I think um, we've had a lot of um, a lot of behaviors that we're sort of building up this pandemic, right? So we had mainly um, really after the after the internet and then after the iPhone really came out, um, technology has become more and more part, part of sort of human society all over the world actually, right and, mm-hmm. and what happened is as technology became more and more part of society, you know how we entertain ourselves, how we get from point A to point B, how um, how we use our time. You know, when the pandemic came along, it kind of sort of accelerated that adoption. And uh, what happened was people's expectations in terms of how they want to conduct life uh, significantly changed, and they changed to becoming, you know, no pun intended, impersonal. Right? Because if you cannot interact with other human beings because they might give you a disease that might kill you, you know, the behavior changed to, okay, I don't want to deal with other people. Uh, And what replaced that was this underlying technical interaction model. And so uh, when that happened, right, that has an impact on business, every which way. Um, It has an impact on interaction model. Uh, So where retailers or financial institutions had uh, buildings or branches for people to come in and their expectation was to to manage walk-in traffic, That just went away. Um, And then, you know, to the extent that they had people, uh, digital solutions that were just call center dependent, you know, they couldn't get enough people into the call centers because people um, were exposed. So then all digital solutions or self-service, et cetera, started coming up. Zoom, uh, payment changed, uh, you know, uh, lending behavior, Uh, you know, for years, we said you could never buy a car without going to the dealership, or you could like all that changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, when that changed, right, the the number one thing obviously was what consumers prefer, but second was technology. And uh, um, and now that we're coming out of the mitigation of the pandemic, even China is now now coming out. Um, you know, people are more and more telling us, well, we don't want to go back to the deal- or do I, uh, I mean, I, you know, uh, what do you mean I have to come to the branch? Uh, you know, um, why can't I do it online? And worst case, I should be able to call somebody and get it done, right? Or, or retailers are saying, hey, please come back and do this tour. And people are saying, why? I mean, I, I get stuff delivered to my house all the time. And, and, you know, Uber, et cetera, et cetera. So, so these things are really technology driven, but they are impacting business. Um, and the way they're impacting businesses, our cost drivers are changing. What we traditionally spent money on, you know, how our margin was factored, you know, our capex approach is getting getting changed. And also, the consumption behavior of the users is changing. So in, in the financial industry, right, you know, no branch banks, right, will tend to do better, right, because you know they were never burdened by that. Payment mechanisms, uh, fintechs that are focused on payment, such as Stripe, uh, which power other digital interactions, are going are doing well. Uh, there is new consumption models, such as your audience knows by now, pay later, yeah. um, that is changing expectation behavior. So, so all of that um, is actually powered by mobile phones and, and cloud. Just in two thousand nineteen, right? We had large financial institutions that were worried about going to the cloud. Some had gone. But many were saying, well, we can never go. Uh, You know, regulators were still trying to grapple their mind around cloud. And now it's kind of like, what do you mean you're not on the cloud? It's just a very short period of time because you can't buy enough equipment. Um, Because, uh, you know, cloud providers have better access to equipment and talent to actually manage infrastructure on behalf of everybody, just like the electric company. So so that has changed. Mm -hmm. And um, what that means then is that um, if you look at a typical PNL, you know the revenue drivers have changed in terms of the channels the consumers prefer. the The cost of goods sold has changed because the tech components are different, capital requirements are different. So PNLs are getting changed up and down because of these adoption of technology. And then more importantly, what happens to the talent, right? So people who understand technology, and I don't mean just engineers, you know, sellers, right? Everybody has a very different appreciation of technology, but. People who know technology and how to drive this value across the world have become scarce. Um, Last year was crazy. Uh, Right now, uh, in the information services industry, there are layoffs. But if you were to take a three, four, five-year view, there are not enough people in the world who can do this sort of work. And the consumers demand this sort of interaction model, which means that we really have to focus on people who know how to go get this and make sure that you know, all business leaders need to make sure that these sort of people want to work for you, and that you know we're giving them meaningful work uh, and ensuring it's easy for them to do this work because that's how you're going to create value in this marketplace. Does that does
2: that answer your question? It does. It does. It's a it's a very rich answer. Just thinking about I mean, you you describe some real shifts in in consumer behavior and technology and in, in people, and so if I'm if I'm listening to this and I'm a you know running or helping run a, a lending business at a bank how do i think about adapting my business and what should i be doing to to help my business adapt to these new paradigms that you just shared
1: yeah i think i uh i think first the first step to making uh making the change is to sort of first acknowledge that things have changed around right? Right. right and so i think the first thing is to actually uh, and we do it all the time I, I do it all the time i try to revert to my traditional behaviors. And and unless I check myself, I'll continue to do the same thing that, that I've done for years. So first thing is recognizing that the world around us has changed. And this is not a, hey, this is a new, different kind of technology change. This is a profound, what do you spend on money and how does it manifest in your PNL type of a change? The most uh, sort of upfront of the people uh, in the disruption economy would tell you this is this is of the same level as the industrial revolution or the information age, you know, some now 50 years ago. Oh, can you believe it? This is the same sort of level of, of impact. Um, and, and you know, we haven't even talked about the the artificial intelligence, machine learning impact of that. So the, So the first thing to do is to say, okay, this is that level of change. And then the next thing to do is to actually think about how you can bring people who have this kind of understanding and knowledge and make them part of the the strategy right right from the top right so so people like this should be part of your selling groups because they can advise on not only what what is happening in the marketplace from a tech point of view consumer adoption point of view but also what you could do from a digital point of view to be a better seller um to be a better operator um and and also have them be part of the strategy. Right. So so what is happening in the lending business? You know, are people using traditional data like like the ones we provide, alternative data that we provide to some customers, the algorithms that we've delivered? And then should they be using other indicators which are allowed by law, depending upon jurisdiction, to actually make better decisions? And then how do they how, you know, what is available from a technical point of view that can actually improve the yield, et cetera? Uh, and make these people part of the the strategy process, the the products that they build, uh, and the decision making. Uh, and sort of to the extent there is some line thinking, make it slightly different. Um the the other is governance and oversight should include include tech, right? So um so to the extent, you know, you have influence on who gets on your board uh or who your advisory set is, who your stakeholders are make sure that people understand um, the impacts of tech on PNL and businesses are part of that and give them true governance and oversight, right? So you, you don't want somebody to tell you something is going to happen because it's technology and then you have the capability to summarily ignore them. That's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's like hiring a trainer and then not listening to them, right? That's that's not going to help. Uh, and then the last thing is is that um, there is a nuance to tech, a lot of us have grown up, um, especially in financial services, where technology was a cost center, reported to CFO, and and basically, you know, you got your mainframes running, and as long as they were running and the jobs were running, you you know, you kind of sort of managed the cost, and and you did your job. But that paradigm has completely changed. Uh, just like in 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 a top line function, you have marketing, and then you have performance marketing, brand marketing, and you have inside sales, and you have sales enablement, then you have the actual sellers, etc. Uh, In tech, also, you know, we have that difference. So we have the IT guys, Uh, these are the people who fix your computer uh, or your phone um, when it goes down. And then uh, you have the operations, tech operations, people who keep the machines running, uh, that are servicing your clients, creating the model, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Then your product engineers are actually building new products. These could be new algorithms. These could be new D2C models that a lot of our customers have. And then we have information security and and that's just the four highest level of things that happen in technology um and they are not interchangeable um uh, you know the person who fixed your computer that probably isn't the person at that exact moment they may grow into it but that exact moment Mm -hmm. can go and write a brand new product for you that you can sell to market and the person who is writing a product for you probably as frustrated by their laptop as you are (laughs) and don't know what to do about it and and then, you know, so on and so forth, right? And information security is basically looking at all of us and saying, you guys are going to, uh, you know, if you're not careful, uh, you're going to create unmitigated risk, which is going to create real problems for your business directly, or at least from a regulatory point of view, right? So it's all of these things that work together and, and understanding that and how it fits, uh, what drives top line versus bottom line is very, very important. That's what I would say. Good. Um, yeah.
0: feel- uh, Abi, sorry. Josh, yeah. interrupt. Yeah, I just have a tangential question. Sure. You mentioned the four or five areas of, I'll call it technology focus slash yeah. talent. Is yeah, that, yeah. when you, when you talk about talent scare, scarcity, as you'd done uh, previously, is it spread across all those areas, or are there one or two areas where it's the most uh, acute? So, it, it, in general, it is. It is chronic. It
1: is across all of these areas. Um, it is the most acute in two, two or three areas. One in information security mm-hmm. it's it, it's just it's just we don't there are more bad guys than good guys. I don't know what else, how else to say and um and because we didn't pay attention to it for I think a very long time, businesses didn't uh governments did um we're now behind the airport so that's that's just one straight away um but then the there's lots of people who who are out there who you can say, Hey, go build me this application. I'll give you requirements. Go write this application. There's still not enough of them, but there's lots more of those people. Mm -hmm. And, and then that becomes a rate thing, right? Either you can outsource it or you can get consultants or you can hire employees and you pay them and then you keep them order takers, I would say. Right. But the people who can actually work with you, let's say Craig and Josh and say, Hey, Um, You know, it would be really interesting if we took this piece of data, put that over there, put it this way, and then, you know, our customers could use that to do something that they've never done before. That'll improve either their yield or their loss or, you know, will allow them to take share, right? Those people, uh, they're like gold, right? Literally. Literally. Uh, and so those are very, very in very, very short supply. Uh, the entrepreneurial tech people, and the other thing that is that is problematic um, for us in in big corporations is that they have they don't have the best sort of impression of of working in large corporations. So they prefer to go work for startups and things like that. Um, so so the, so the, you know so there is an artificial scarcity there as well. This really comes from and I have to make this pitch. It really comes from uh, not enough people studying STEM, uh, science, technology, engineering and mathematics. Um, and then not enough of them actually going to college to to take on applied sciences like engineering. And then the ones who do go, you know, they not a lot of them actually graduate. They change their their majors to anthropology or something else, um, because it's a harder way to get a degree. Uh, so that's creating an acute shortage on the supply side. And obviously the demand side is exploding, right? And in the U.S. and and the U.K., right, we have declining populations and we are exacerbated by this this effect. But even in places where there are large populations, such as India or China, it, it's still it's still not enough. We're not producing enough. And and even if you're producing enough, they don't have the expertise of people like me who've been around for a little while. And people like me are dissipating faster than, than the ones that are coming. Does that answer your question, correct?
0: It does. Hopefully, you're not disappearing too fast. Well, no. I mean, it's a human thing, but right. hopefully not. Yeah.
1: I agree with yeah. that. I I can go along with that.
2: Hey, be One one question uh, that came to mind as you were you were talking about the the last question. Then, Greg I'll I'll stop monopolizing this. But you know, as you think about and and describe how technologists and business people are becoming more intertwined, and some of those barriers that have been there historically breaking down. Yeah. If I'm someone who's come up. On the business side, as a lender, uh, I think it can quickly become overwhelming when I hear people talking about some of the things that you've, you've you know, cloud or AI or, or the new technologies and things. You know, how do I keep myself relevant if I'm if I'm you know early mid career coming up, having come up in the business side of things as these barriers break down?
1: Um, I I think um I I think it's valid. I think I think we we all have a certain amount of worry about. And, you know, whether we know something or not, right? And so suddenly so it's valid, um, but I think it's also historical. Yeah, I, I, you know, the the way we we grew up in in the past was we would say things like, hey, I went to business school. And, you know, even engineers, people who have an engineering degree, once they got their MBA, they would just basically disavow the fact that they were at one point a programmer. Right? They're like, oh, I'm a business person because we had this class hierarchy. Whether you're on the business side or on the on, or the overhead side. and tech was at a cost, right? It was a corporate cost like finance or whatever, whatever. and um and and you know, we grew up thinking, like if I stick over there, it is not, you know, I, I can never run a p and I can never become a CEO, right? I got to get to the business side and and it conditioned ourselves and and what happened, though, was that you know the the p and l manners, the general managers didn't know about everything anyway. What happened then was they didn't know about marketing any more than they knew about tech or finance, right? But it was more acceptable to say, "Hey, I understand I understand the P and L, but but I'm not really technical." Um, they would never be allowed to say, "I'm not. I don't understand finance, <laughs>
2: okay.
1: or I don't understand marketing." Uh, but it was almost okay to say that we're not we're not technical. So um, my advice, first of all, for business executives as of today is to, to never say I'm not technical. That that's like in 2023, that's not necessarily a good thing. I, 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 not that not that being rich is an indicator of anything, but let me let me read off. You know, the richest people in the world, if you actually think about it, only a couple of people are business people, right? So Warren Buffett, and you know maybe Carlos Slim. Uh, our business people, even Carlos Slim has made his money in telecom. Though, let's mm-hmm. just be Everybody else is a tech person. Everybody is the founders of Google. It's it's founder of Amazon. So so don't say that you're not technical um, any more than you feel like you want to say I don't get finance or I don't get marketing. The the business executive's job is to is to try to understand what impact it will have, tech will have on my top line either from product development point, of view, you know, um, product marketing, a lot of product marketing is digital marketing, performance marketing, um, in terms of the costs that go in, you know, are you shifting from CapEx to OpEx? What does the impact have on, on the PNL? Um l you, you would, anybody would understand that anyway. And then it really doesn't matter if it's cloud or Oracle or IBM, because really what it manifests itself is, whether it's a, whether it's a Kager on the cost line or or somehow does it enable um, somehow does it enable our top line, right? And, um, and and then you're about as expert in it as as um, the the marketer on your team. Um, but what you what you cannot do is not actually have um, the best people on your team. Mm-hmm. And I already said that the best people who can actually figure out how to use technology have lots of choices. So, so you got to create a condition where these people want to come work for you. Uh, give them meaningful work. Give them authority and participation to solve these problems, just like you would give your marketer. And and then I think huh? I think that's that's kind
2: of what, what, you can do. Uh, and That would be my recommendation. Yeah, that's a really helpful perspective. Thank you, Abby. Craig, I'm going to turn it over to you. I have been feel like I've been monopolizing this conversation so far.
0: Yeah, no worries. It's been good, Josh. So,
2: uh, I'll be at this point, our, our
0: questions have kind of led you down the path of discussing you know, technology's impact on businesses and their executives slash leaders. However, let's talk now about tech as an enabler for improving consumer access to financial services or improving customer service. So, Specifically, you know, you're responsible for a technology, strategy, supporting customers in some pretty diverse geographies. So if you look at financial services delivery across all the different markets, what are some specific ways you see technology improving consumer access or financial outcomes?
1: You know, for the first time in my career, I, uh, I can see that technology adoption and and product expectations and innovation really is happening more outside than inside. And, you know, we have businesses and we have a fairly large business in India, uh, in South Africa, in Latin America, Brazil, UK, Canada and Hong Kong. Um so so I get a pretty good perspective from around the world and, and traditionally it's been that we we figure out stuff and create innovation and intellectual property in the US and then we we export it to the world. But recently, that hasn't been the case. And you know the the biggest example I can tell you is BNPL uh, started internationally, took adoption and then came to the u s and And there are other examples. For example, in India, you know everybody has a has a digital identity through this thing called the india stack and uh, and they're really able to to um, move payments, for example, to to electronic and and reduce the amount of cash and the government of India can can deliver funds associated with COVID to all Indians in minutes when when it takes us such a long time in the US. So it's a very different world. And um, and as I look at it, uh, Rafi, you know, um, I really think about how we're creating, from a tech point of view, value. Uh, and and this technical adoption uh, and, and consumerization of technology really. Goes to our core mission, um, you know. With with more and more people, with more and more data, uh, sort of becoming available, um, we can actually include more people into the into the financial ecosystem, right? So the Indian bureau is only twenty years old, uh, and already, uh, you know, for example, in the last five years, right? We, we've significantly increased the number of women who have access to capital to start businesses in India. That, w- that wouldn't have been possible um, for hundreds of years prior to that. First, because we haven't been here. Second, because through COVID, you know, we have all of these technical solutions that are that are available, which wouldn't have been possible if the government of India hadn't made their economy technical, right? And so, it allows us to improve financial literacy. It allows us to include marginalized part of society, not just in India everywhere. I'm just using that as an example. Uh, we have lots of work we do in the US for new to credit, for for people who are developing their credit, um, again, using a lot of technology, for example, uh, data that could actually allow us to take risk on these folks. Uh, and then um, in many places, you know, we are able to create new scores. So for example, you know, food sufficiency is a big problem around the world. So in India, we've created a product called um, the Score, where we take satellite data and using satellite data and machine learning, we're able to predict what the yield on that plot is going to be and, and are able to extend credit to small, small farmers. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, when I heard about that product, it, it kind of blew my mind. Like, why aren't we doing this everywhere, right? That food sufficiency is the number one problem in the world. And then, you know, a lot of, in a lot of these business, a lot of these economies, because um, a lot of the the traditional job market is, is not enough to sustain people, there's a lot of small business people, MSMEs. Think about Africa, you know, rest of Africa and Kenya or India, Brazil. Um, one of the products we created in, in India because of the this, this technical stack that the government of India has created, um, we're able to get... Uh, the GST, uh, taxation numbers in real time flowing through the economy, and we're able to actually create a FIT score, which is a MSME score, uh, a medium to small uh, enterprise score, uh, which is individual providers, a lot of them, and 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 they're able to score their business, and and that way they improve it. So we're really focused on using the technology like satellite data, like data flow presented by more progressive governments where there is data available, uh, to actually include more people in the credit ecosystem, and, and I think that's how uh, uh, that's how our technology uh, strategy allows us to to grow and improve financial outcomes, both for lenders as well as consumers.
0: That is great. Um, you know, Avi, our audience not only is folks that are involved in the financial. Services space or leaders in the financial services space. But it also involves listeners who are interested in the space, perhaps in in entering the space. I'm going to open it up to you and ask you, you know make the case to whether it's more junior folks or folks mid-career, why they should consider uh, joining a financial services provider, whether it's a bank or or somebody like ourselves.
1: Yeah look i think i think we uh, to use the cliche like money makes the world go around. so so you know we 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 like to hate on the financial services industry but it's very important it, it is a inherent inherent good to have good robust financial services for economies all over the world and and if we put put the cynicism aside for a second at least for transunion um our mission is a noble one uh, it is to actually get more capital to people who deserve it uh, whether it's your first home, whether it's a student loan, whether it's a small business. Uh, so we make uh, possible um, the lives of people to be better than they otherwise were through through allowing them access to capital. And on the other side, their money through financial institution to get more yield so that this becomes a closed-loop economic circle. That is a noble purpose. So, so you know, if you're going to do something intact, you know, uh, do something that has a noble purpose, and and everywhere there is cynicism. But you know, at least we're not putting cat videos on the internet, right? We're we're actually trying to get get money to people, <laughs> and and so that's sort of my first bit. Second, I mean, look, um, if you're in 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 technology, uh, then, you know, um, these are these are complex problems, right? We we take. The hundreds of millions of fragment records, associate them, find a unique, uniquely identify a person, which the government checks us on. Multiple governments checks us on that we actually found the right person, and then their associated risk. And in a very short period of time, uh, less than a second, we decided that person should get credit or not. This is a hard problem, and and so so it's a first class problem. It's a noble proof. Come come join this industry, and that would be my ask, right, for for the people who are contemplating. Uh, a content who have this kind of background and who are contemplative choices in 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 our career, right? And and um, for those of us who are not, um, you know, learn and and you know, if you have kids uh, that are in college, you know, don't don't rule out don't rule out STEM, don't rule out engineering. We we need more people who are open minded about this. That that would be my ask. We do that. Uh, we do that in TransUnion, as you know. Uh, our noble purpose is to 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 create. Um, financial inclusion for everybody everywhere in the world. And um, we work like the way I describe you, at least as long as I'm around. This is how I think about our business. This is the kind of challenge I give all of the people who report to me all over the world. Do meaningful work. And if you're out there and you don't work for TransUnion or for our customers, come work for us. Uh, Come join us. Uh, And uh, because at the end of the day, this is the way we work. This is the kind of people we have. This is the kind of culture I'm trying to develop. Uh, You know, it goes back to what we do for our customers. Uh, This is how we operate. These are the kind of people we have. So, uh, you know, we want to make sure we deliver on the promise for our customers. When you go with us, uh, you will have better outcomes compared to when you go with our competitors. And this is how we make it come true. Uh, That's what my pitch would be.
0: That's a compelling story, vision and story. Abi, again, thanks for applying your valuable time to our podcast. Hopefully folks who are listening to the podcast get as much out of spending time with you as as we did. Uh, So hopefully at some point in the future, we'll have you back. (laughs) My
1: pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Hopefully it creates value for your audience.
2: It will. It will. Thanks, Avi.